Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is always weary of eating finger food. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're throwing horror movies in a Cronenberg telepod, mixing in a hint of action and sci-fi films, and gasping at the results, and talking about some of our favorite pseudo-slashers. But before we get into that, let me remind you, we are part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your pseudo-hole. So, this is the first episode we've recorded in quite some time that wasn't, like, banked way out in advance. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, um, we are technically, (coughs) this is the first episode here that we are retreating to Walden. Exactly. as you heard in the background. We are indeed uh, recording here in the backyard, which contains the neighborhood kids, <laughs> which apparently we haven't scared them away, so they are still... Yet. Yet. <laughs> still not the house that they walk around right. at this point. <laughs> but uh, this is something we don't get to do all that often. No. When we do, it's a lot of fun. It is. It's nice. It's gorgeous. So again, if you pretty. hear the neighborhood kids, uh-uh! birds, helicopters, yeah. <laughs> go back to the original Halloween uh, hangover episode mm-hmm. to see what we're referring to. But, you know, it's it's fun to do this. Yes, it is. And it's such a lovely day. It's really nice. It's really nice. I think this is going to be the last spring day because I think it's going to go straight into summer now. Yeah. So so we will probably not be able to record out here. Otherwise, we'll be roasting. It's too hot. Just like, ah. Not the funny kind of roast no. either. <laughs> the KFC, if you will. Yeah, this will be the, ro- the roast of nerds and nostalgia yes. a different way. <laughs> so something I do want to touch upon is uh, we are no longer part of Phantom Podcast Network. That basically a little bit, it did dissolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, we transitioned over to Boom Howdy, which Boom is technically Howdy. an extension of downright creepy right and we were on boom howdy before so it's like now we're kind of back indeed but i also want to make sure the other podcasts the horror podcasts that are out there uh-huh. that still have their individual feeds please go out and give them some love yes uh, we've had a majority of these people on the podcast before so uh going out uh, a to z horror podcast the classic horrors club podcast mm-hmm. uh, the from my parents basement podcast uh, Attack of the Killer podcast, who we're going to be doing something with them in Iowa uh-huh, in, in October. In October, yeah. Uh, the This Might Sound Crazy podcast, the Horror Cast, and the Horror Junkies podcast. Yeah. They all have individual feeds. So definitely keep listening, subscribe, check them out, because they're all really good cats, and Indeed. they're a lot of fun. Again, there's a lot of diversity in there. Again, mm-hmm. perspectives, chemistry, and that's the joy of listening to a variety of podcasts out there. Absolutely. And even though I'm not the biggest fan us talking to them, I've met them. They're nice. Uh, yeah, definitely go go check them out. And more than likely, they will, you will hear them on the podcast again. Mm-hmm. That is the other thing. In fact, we are talking with the From My Parents Basement podcast. I have them on very soon. Yes. Which is always a blast. <laughs> Ideally, we have to do it on a Saturday night, though, to give it that full sleepover effect, I think. Uh-huh. I'll make sure I'll bring the marshmallows for the s'mores. One of the things that we talk about here a lot on the podcast is our love of <coughs> the genre mismatch. Yeah. When you take 
two seemingly separate separate genres and mashing them together. The chocolate and peanut butter of cinemas. Yes, the happy accident, if you will. When, mm-hmm. And when that does happen, it is wonderful. Um, and obviously, you could probably go back to our love of two very famous horror comedies, but you know, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Is an example of horror comedy done right. Exactly, and it's a it's a hard balance to find, and especially when you have two different genres to put them together and to make them work so well. It's easy to remember the the all the really good ones, and it's especially easy to forget some of the bad ones, some that don't hit the mark. Because but. it seems like such an easy idea is mixing two things that just go work really well on their own, right? But then of course, why not put them together? Mm-hmm. But like you said, there's a lot of misfires out there, but we don't focus on those. Nope. We like to talk about the stuff we enjoy. But one of the other genres it's fun to see it mix with horror is when you get sci-fi. Yes. In your horror. Uh huh. And because those work perfect, especially like, and you can even make an argument like black mirror can be some like horror because it's not like oh grab but at the same time you're just like holy shit that's horrific that's it's, horrific it's so funny people talk about binge watching shows black mirror is something you cannot binge watch unless right. you want to doom your soul <laughs> and just be just have such a dire look on humanity you know it's i i mm-hmm. dare say that's not that's like real life horror right. that's its <laughs> the, own separate the, genre the horrors of humanity it, robotic it, humanity it is it's tough to watch uh but one of the other things that i love when you can mix with horror and this is a tougher one to mix with though but is the action genre absolutely and putting that with a horror film because either one especially with horror and action there's a fine line between really good and really bad with both those categories. So when you can have ones that we're going to talk about that work just right. And that's just, it's the, I dare say, you know, the director, everyone involved, there's alchemy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's crafting mm-hmm. that perfect balance. And the films that we're going to talk about, I think, really achieve all of those. But the ones we're going to focus on specifically, and we've talked about this kind of genre, subgenre in itself, is we call it, it's the pseudo slasher. Yep. And it's one of those films that is just, it's presented as a something that you don't, it's presented as a non-slasher. Mm-hmm. You are presented as a sci-fi film or an action film. But when you break it down... It winds up being a slasher. You go, oh my God, wait a minute, this is like Halloween in space. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this is Halloween in such and <laughs> You're such. Right. It's like the Die Hard thing, you know, Die Hard on a plane, mm-hmm. Die Hard on a train. This is Halloween in. in a, yeah. But I mean, obviously, if you go back to the slashers, <coughs> you know, going all the way back to like Peeping Tom through Psycho, mm-hmm. Black Christmas. You know, for me, my main reference point is always Halloween. Right. And a lot of that just has to do with the time that, you know, I grew up, I would suspect you as well. Yeah, it's just a good example of what a slasher is. It sets up the tropes nicely. So when we look and we talk about the films here, there are a few criteria that I'm going to, I have to make sure that these films include. Lay it on, is great. To be on here. So first and foremost, the, the antagonist needs to be relentless Mm -hmm. it needs to be a force of nature something that just cannot be stopped whether you know you shoot them six times (laughs) whether you know regardless keeps on coming yes (laughs) and you see that in all of the the previous slashers the other one is that your antagonist also has i want to say a creep factor but also kind of represents the other Mm -hmm. just the it has that the other side the otherness Okay. You know, ex- you know, alienated, if you will. Ah, okay. okay. All right. Third one is, does it have a final girl? Or something representing of the, the final, final girl. girl. Right. Yes. I, that's something you see in all of the slashers. And then finally, the last one is, does it mix? 
And again, I, I think it does because we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I challenge you guys as listeners, hit us up on Twitter, Nightmare Junk, uh, on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. You know, are the ones that we're talking about, do they mix? What are we missing? Right. Let's get into it. Uh, but the ones that we're going to talk about then are these pseudo slashers. And so we're going to go chronologically. And we're going to start with one that has one of the greatest taglines of all time, mm-hmm. you know, in space. It's, no one can hear you scream. Ridley Scott's Alien. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree that this is a pseudo slasher. Now, let me ask you this. this the first question I'm going to ask you is, what kind of film do you qualify this as? If someone said, let me ask you this. If a normie uh-huh. asked you, Genius McGee, what is Alien? Squarely sci-fi horror. Squarely sci-fi but horror. Genius, I, I, I don't really like horror films. Um, is there? Is it too much horror? Yeah. I, 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 you know, if you don't like horror films, you're not going to like this movie. There's guts and you gore. You started and, with a sci-fi horror rather right. than horror sci-fi. Right. You you lead with what you think. What you think? Well, 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 not even that. The movie is alien by definition alone. It's a sci-fi movie. So it's not a it's not a tale of an immigrant struggle across right. the seas. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Ripley, yes. get, Senora Ripley, <laughs> get away from her puta. You know, no, it's not going to be. That. <laughs> Different no. interpretation. There. Right. No, it, it's it's totally in the title. It's in the the, the, the trailer is amazing. Uh, the trailer mm-hmm. features no dialogue. No, and just 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 tension building and scares and rah, yeah. But when you look at it, then we have to compare. You know, um, does Alien follow into these tropes? So let's look at initially: is the killer or the antagonist relentless, a force of nature? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, not stopping to the fact that the only way to stop it. Sucking up into space. Spoilers. Mr. Genius, did you see this old movie called uh, Aliens? Aliens, right? <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to go. No, the the fact that this entire this film introduces the xenomorph, mm-hmm. and the the mere fact that this is something a lot of people don't re- remember is it was sold as a toy to kids. And do you remember that? I remember the Aliens franchise, kids. There was and it was like a 19 inch tall toy, yeah, and it had the little face, little the little mouth in the mouth that shot out terrifying and this is a hard hard r-rated film but yet there's like and now colonel ripley and the space marines you know that was later on but it's it's weird how that turned into what it is but it's still a scary scary movie and the fact it scared the actors doing it you know they didn't even know what the hell to expect and so yeah it's so weird to believe that it's a toy for kids but yet it's so terrifying. And that's the thing. When I, we, we look at it, you mentioned it is a sci-fi <coughs> horror film, and it is indeed a pseudo-slasher. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could mix out the Xenomorph with Michael Myers, and you would have the same film. <laughs> Except, I don't know if he could open up his mouth on like a little Michael Myers, a little, little Shatner. Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it would work just as well. You know, you replace the, 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 the knife with the mouth. Yeah. And it works perfectly. Because it, it, it has all the great like things that, like what you're saying, a slasher does it in the scares, too. When um, they're looking for Jonesy and when Harry Dean Stanton's in the, the room with the chains all the moisture. and the dripping. Looking something straight out of a... I was, I was looking for, like, the Pinhead. Yeah, it looked like hell. Home. It really it did. It looked like hell. And honestly, I think, you know, Anderson really took a lot of that with Event Horizon. You mm-hmm. see so much of Aliens, DNA, and yeah. all the space horror films out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the other thing is this film is... Is so influential, and that it it launched a franchise. Yeah. Like you said, there's cartoons, there's toys, uh, there's reboots, remakes. It's unreal. And going back to he, the alien is relentless. His main or its main goal 
is to kill everything. It's designed as a perfect killing machine. Exactly. It's, and of course, it's the hubris of man that mm-hmm. leads our downfall. Which actually, what I love also about this film is their duality of man as well. As man is still the worst one out there. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. They, it, were they? Do they have to sabotage their own bishops or to their own androids to make sure that everybody else is expendable? I've never as long looked as at a magazine the same way after that scene with him and Ripley. Oh no! No, that's terrifying. Just like ah, eat it, and like oh no. Uh, quit so, it, Bishop. Second trope here is what is the creep factor with the xenomorph? You know, does it represent kind of anotherness? And I think it's kind of a no-brainer because even its design is pure nightmare fuel. Exactly. It's just it's dark and it's mysterious with sharp edges and it, it it's just, phallic. Yeah, it's super phallic. It's it, just Giger designed it as just like this kind of protosexual thing. This big alien dick monster yes, coming at you. Id. It's yeah. pure id. Yeah, just to destroy. And impregnate with itself with you. So well, it's also just the inv- this is truly a body betrayal invasion of the body film as mm-hmm. well. When uh, William Hurt, John Hurt, is brought on board, and that whole thing with the face hugger, it's so bizarre. You know, you look back at just how iconic that is, and how everyone is so familiar with that. But mm-hmm. when you can imagine being in the theater. For the first time seeing that on the big screen. Jumping not, right at you, not knowing what the fuck. And never seeing anything like that before. I mean, now now we're used to it. Again, the DNA is it. everywhere. Right. But back when it first came out, people must have been shitting their pants. I, I think I would have at that point. <laughs> and then, like you said, there's certain set pieces in this film that work on a scary movie level. Yeah. One of those obviously being the result of the betrayal with William Hurt, John Hurt's character, mm-hmm. and the chestburster scene, and we've talked about it on the podcast before. But Veronica Cartwright, oh god, professional yeah. reactor, yeah. Yeah. and her reaction to that—the oh god, mm-hmm. yours is much better, so <laughs> legit and real. Yeah. And again, imagine seeing that for the first time. Exactly. Look what happened when she saw it for the first time. Yes. You got that. Well, that's you know? the famous thing is they didn't mention how what was going to happen, right? <laughs> And that's again a, a callback to the special effects work, uh, mm-hmm. just every again the craft that goes into this film. But going back to the certain scenes in the set pieces, and going back to the relentlessness is the Harry Dean Stanton one. I keep, that's one of my favorite scenes. Well, in, now as a cat owner as well, right? Well, look, goddamn Jonesy, goddamn it, Jonesy. That's what Owen would do. I'm face to face with an alien. I'm trying to bargain with it to spare my life. I'm like, hey, hey, and then the cat's like, Meh. you're on your own. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yeah. I'm over. <laughs> it's so creepy. And like like a good stalker, like a good slasher, mm-hmm. you can't reason with it. Mm-hmm. You can't bargain with it. You're dead if you can't you're lower on the food chain. Exactly, you're toast. So it's, it, it's truly frightening. And then also one of my favorite scenes is spoiler where Tom Skerritt is revealed with that, and it has just that wonderful little shot with it. Yes, yeah, coming at you full on. There's something scary about like I've noticed that like, some of our triggers are people going like this, like Jason Friday and, three, yeah, and like yeah, like I guess it's the two hand action, like yes. rah, like ah. <laughs> Get your filthy paws off my silk draws. <laughs> and then finally, let's look at our final girl or our last survivor in Ripley, Sigourney Weaver. You can make icon. a ca- You can make a case that she is the ultimate final girl, the ultimate survivor well, ass kicker. What's interesting is the character of Ripley was originally written for a man. Yeah. And then it was one of those things where, you know what, you we can make it a gender-neutral character, and then Sigourney comes in and just makes it her own. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a Ripley without Sigourney. I mean, even if they try and do some weird time shift 
something. I don't know. It won't. It's not going to be Ripley. Well, go back to our uh, episode on Nerds and Nostalgia where we actually look and talk about uh, the entire Aliens franchise, a little retrospective mm-hmm. there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but no, she is just the penultimate. And this film particularly, and not even going into the, the sequels, because obviously you get a different form of it. But here, you know, that last scene when she's it's very intimate and exposed. Yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. And then the ultimate solution is, as you said, is just suck them up into space. But she, even when all the chips are down and against her, she's still like, fuck this. Let's yep. do this. So she is. She is the most resourceful. She is mm-hmm. the most logical. She is the one had, you know, um, the android gone in and not actually. Oh, she was the one that's like, no, we have to stick to protocol. Right. She, if they had only followed. she From the word get, if yes. they would just would have listened to Ripley. So from the get go, she None is of the this one. shit would have happened. So, so she really earned just, you know, you talk about a character arc that is, oh, it's so wonderful. It mm-hmm. works so well. So ultimately, do these genres mix sci-fi and horror with Alien? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a slasher, too. As a slasher, it most definitely does. Because, like, we, we hit the tropes. It's relentless. It's it's just in the shadows. It's waiting. It doesn't stop. You can't reason with some it. Of, you know, my some of my favorite things in um, Halloween is the Dean line, the Dean Cundy lighting. Yeah. When you see the shape appear. Mm-hmm. And an alien, you get the same thing. Because yeah. it fits into the background. If you, you can have the coolest neatest monster you can but if you can't play it with shadows Mm -hmm. and make it more sinister and in the dark again this is such a collaborative thing if you don't have a good dp in there you're screwed Mm -hmm. so again just so many things that have to come together that did with alien 1979 a year after halloween and honestly 1979 uh here in a couple years uh coming up next year actually could be in the mouth into the mouth of march madness we will see uh but we're gonna go ahead and dare i say time travel a few Mm -hmm. years ahead to another film that is a personal favorite of both of ours and one that is truly a pseudo slasher and one technically i think was probably the first movie night you ever attended at my house but 1984 is the terminator uh, yes, uh, I think it. I think it was. I think it was yeah. quite possibly. Yeah, uh, because I didn't do the Terminator two because the first one is my favorite. Because first and foremost for me, it's a horror film. Exactly, he totally is a slasher. Arnold, dilly ding, you know, just <laughs> Brad Fidel and John Carpenter could mix. I would be totally happy with that. That's another thing that works so well with this film. The Terminator is it has a wonderful score. Uh huh. It's iconic, but. Ultimately, you know, this is back when Arnold Schwarzenegger was still such a presence. It's Arnold, I'll be back. Just he was otherworldly. Yes, he was. He yeah, was otherworldly. He, he looked like nobody else you've ever seen. And here's this giant behemoth that's that, supposed to be an infiltrator. I'm like, what the hell's going on? But yes, very subtle, mm-hmm. very subtle. Mm-hmm. No, but it works so well because ultimately, like you said, he is just he is robotic. There is yeah. just nothing to him. He's a blank slate, and so scary because of that. Yeah. Yeah, he and him is a perfect example of why the mask in Michael Myers, why Michael's mask is scary, because even though it's just a, uh, it's just a spray painted Shatner mask, that blankness, that blank slate, that you can project your own fears onto it, and I think that's another reason why the Terminator works so well. We know he's a robot, but what his main goal and what he's trying to, he's just killing. Why and whatnot and what horrific things can be. That's why it's scary. This unknown stoppable force coming for you especially. 
again, as you mentioned, you know, he can't be stopped. He can't be reasoned mm-hmm. with. You, he gives a great foil. He had a Marshall Skelling machine. Michael Bean. Uh, the characters in this one work just as well as Alien. And that's the mm-hmm. other thing that, you know, the cast of Alien worked so well. You have good, great character actors. Yes. Which makes you identify and care for the characters. Same thing in The Terminator. It's populated. With you got Lance Henriksen, and yes, kind of a, Paul Winfield. It's such, and, and and we can't even tell short Linda Hamilton. Oh no, she's phenomenal, and she has such an interesting Sadakana. Sadakana, such an interesting character arc in this one, where she becomes from like her when, when we talked about on the what's the score, her intro of riding the little scooter, her and little that soft little demure, music. just oh. beautiful, right? I mean, it's a pretty song, mm-hmm. and then from going that to finally when we see her in the end. Dun, 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 dun. And that last shot still haunts me. And this is a film that I caught on HBO nonstop. Yeah, it was always on. And that last shot of her driving into the storm <clears throat> and that pounding score always frightened me because it was basically like, no, the worst is yet to come. Mm-hmm. I still have all this preparation to do. It played on the fears back in the early 80s of yes. nuclear war, mm-hmm. which if you watch, it's speaking of HBO, if you watch The Man Who Saw Tomorrow, which was that document. The Nostradamus one? Oh. <laughs> Where the helicopters are coming at him. Narrated by Orson Welles. It yes. Is, it is the most, it, that is truly terrifying. Nostradamus predicted Skynet. The machines will take over and they'll produce fish sticks for everybody. It, it just may as well. It, it didn't matter what <laughs> it was said, how it was said, it was frightening. And so the Terminator played on that. But as you mentioned, uh, Sarah Connor is such a survivor. Mm-hmm. The fact that she is put into this world and just headfirst. Yeah, just thrown into this mad chaos. I mean, though. I mean, seriously. Even before shit was going down, how freaky would it be if you heard that there was like three more Greg Dedrick murders, and that? Okay, <laughs> again. The- Sarah Con- Greg Dedrick. <laughs> Genius McGee, <laughs> I come from the future. You sounded like the Superman 3 junkyard battle. Right, there we go. The bad <laughs> Superman there. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> no, there's so much that works with this. Uh, this is obviously James Cameron, you know, first real big film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk about just announcing your presence with authority. Just so many things working so well together. But yeah. ultimately, this is a film that a lot of people really don't see as a horror film. And even if you said sci-fi horror, they're like, oh, I just see it more sci-fi. But especially when you compare it with part two. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Alien, the same thing with Alien to Aliens. Right. It's more bombastic. It turns more into the action. But I will make the argument for horror in Aliens because there's some horrific shit. Oh, no. Shit. There, I will still argue that as well, but having reached, watched it not too long ago. I couldn't comfortably say that it... T2 is a horror flick, but no. I can say T2, T1 is a horror flick because he is a stalker with a gun. He's Again, you replace the, the knife with guns and you have Michael Myers. Right? It, 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 it's remorseless and stopping. And stopping. Fuck that. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I can handle like a bunch of people getting murdered in my name and then just after I've killed him so many, try to shoot him or people like, hey, I'm from the future. Come with me if you want to live. Holy. Uh, OK. I was going to say you live by the rules of a horror of a movie. So if you someone did come up to you and said, genius, me guy, I'm you from the future. You are probably going to go. Yeah, let's go. Like, oh, Especially sh- if they're like, watch the great. Right. And you're like, oh, there it is. Exactly. I'm like, OK, yeah, that's you. That's you. That's me. All right, cool. What do I need to bring? OK, you need to bring this, 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 this. Cool, I'm ready. <laughs> I ironically had it in my pocket. <laughs> and then another thing also, if we're dare to remiss, the fact that this film does include one Dick Miller. Yes. <laughs> Poor Futterman. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the curse. 
It's the curse. He's the cousin that was doing well with the gun shop, and then mm-hmm. sadly, it's the curse. The um, the what is it? The the plasma plasma rifle with a forty watt range. So many wonderful things. A uh, Bill Paxton and Brian Thompson showing up at the beginning, but all just cannon fodder for this the Terminator slasher. And he lives up to his name. That's he's just there to kill. Just there to kill. Yeah, so this is one. So again, uh, we've got a great final girl. Our killer is relentless. He's definitely otherly. Does the mixture of science fiction and horror work for the Terminator? Oh, absolutely on this one. I mean, the horror comes from un- the unknown factor. The action comes from the amount of people that he's killed and the fact that it's Arnold. Um, and there's some truly terrifying things. There's a lot of scary things going on in there. Yep, I think it comes. You have the final girl. You have all the earmarks of a good horror movie. I and think some, and some really good kills in here as well. Yes, the police siege battle or the police station battle. That is, I mean, that's what I think Halloween 5 wanted to do. Yeah. But couldn't. Right. I, I still think people died in that, in, that, in that scene. And they mentioned the fact that there's over 30 cops in this building. So you're throwing out the fact that he almost mowed down 30, 30 police cop. officers right. in such crazy ways when he's got, he's two-fisting. With like the, the the shotgun and everything, mm-hmm. fuck the police, Duh. and then going all the way into then the stop motion and the stop motion with the Terminator exposed. Mm-hmm. That also to me that works as an otherworldly kind of feel, which obviously nowadays would be CGI. Yeah, and, and it has been day, CGI. Yes, but back in the day that was just it's, it gave it so much more character and charm. I think, mm-hmm. and so again it just feels it gives it that frightening frightening feel now the terminator to me is a wonderful wonderful example of a pseudo slasher well let's go toward three years now and as we do have mowers in the background the dangers of recording in the backyard but again it gives it that sense of that thorough would i think thoroughly enjoy (laughs) i think that i shall never see a thing as lovely as a tree or whatever he said I think that was a Superman 3 again, going back to that. Here I sit brokenhearted. So we're going to go three years ahead, and this next one is definitely underrated, Mm -hmm. underseen. I saw it so many times on HBO, and it is, again, the one that always makes me go through all of my French fries. Uh, 1987's The Hitcher. Fuck Rugger Hauer. Fuck Rugger Hauer. I'm telling you, he movies like this, movie I've said it before and I'll say it again, movies like this are the reason why we can't have nice things. We can't you now you gotta be afraid of hobos, hippies, and hitchhikers. The three H's. The three H's of horror. Fuck them. Because like they're the ones that'll get you. And you know what? I picked up hitchhikers before, against my better judgment. And like and it's this movie that cemented why I should not pick up hitchhikers. I'm truly shocked to find that you have actually picked up, based on your viewings, based on your own mantra, Yeah. you have gone against that. Yeah. I'm so, oh, I'm, I was dumb and kind of drunk, so that was... No way to go through life, genius. Absolutely. I've mended the error of my ways, but like... Well, let's talk about the relentlessness of John Ryder as portrayed by Rutger Hauer, who... Like any good slasher, a force of nature. And what I love about the film is it I don't want to say it throws logic out of the window, but once C. Thomas Howe's character is introduced with him, mm-hmm. it, his life is for his career path is forever altered, and he cannot escape this thing That's that just is hunting him. Oh, scary as all get out. And what I love is the fact with Rutger Hauer is he can play so many different things. But just that that psychotic, just that slow, simmering creepiness. Because his eyes, 
He's got the he's Steel got the blue. yes he's got those eyes that can portray just like all manner of madness in them. They've seen such things. They've done such things, you know. <laughs> Lost like tears and rain. He's brought us so many great genres, such great John Fair. Blind Fury is another favorite. I love Blind Fury, and for to see him, the lovable blind samurai, to Goofy, this to this thing, to this thing, this monster, this human atrocity. That can massacre cops tenfold. That can shoot down helicopters with a revolver. The most crazy mm-hmm. things that he can do, that he is, again, a force of nature. This thing that is unrelenting, that you cannot stop. Yeah. You, The Terminator and John Ryder are the same thing. <laughs> and even in the beginning... Do you think if he takes off his, he takes off his thing, die! I would not be shocked <laughs> at all. It's just he was programmed to be a hitchhiker rather than... Right. <laughs> the, the T stands for thumb. Thumb, yeah. <laughs> But one of the things then that works is our final girl, and you mistakenly are introduced, and you I think this is an interesting redirect and spoilers ahead for a 30-year-old film, Mm -hmm. but one of my all-time favorite actors, Jennifer Jason Lee, shows up in here as the the random diner waitress that gets, you know, involved with everything. Yeah. And they go on the run, Mm -hmm. and you then you're like, okay, well, here's our pair. Here's who we have till the end. Right. Nope. I'm not going to give anything away, and you don't see anything yeah. to the credit of the film, but the sound design in this movie is what makes this particular action one of the hardest things to watch, to listen, to hear, to experience. Jennifer Jason Lee, you don't want to hear that shit. It's, it's Stacy. Yeah. She's gone through enough as it is, right? Yeah. No, the, it's one of the most gruesome things that you never see. That's, uh, again, why Theater I of the mind, man. works so freaking well. But ultimately, our final girl is C. Thomas, C. Thomas Howell. Howell. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think actually works well because, again, this is a character that has had to be cunning, resourceful, The reliant. whole movie. And he's the one that picked him up. My mom said never to pitch up. From the get-go. Right? From the get-go, they throw that out. That's Listen to your folks. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, cautionary tale. They're He's out Jason. there to look for you. Yes. You know, now sex, jugs, and mind your folks. Sponsored by the Catholic Church. You know, just <laughs> like. <laughs> and also the fact that this film was so vicious. Yeah. That's the other thing with a lot of these films, uh, with Alien, definitely cruel and vicious, but no kids. Um, the Terminator, no kids technically, but a lot of. A lot of ancillary Rick characters. Rick Rossovich gets taken out in his undies, man. I mean, that's disgraceful enough. But with this character in the Hitcher, he don't give a fuck. Kids, families, does not matter. You're in the way. Again, and it's just so horrible, the fact that this is back in the day was something you do to help a stranger out, mm-hmm. which is, again, further alienates you from society. So that's the other thing. What is the creep factor with John Ryder? What is the otherness to him? He's the unknown. He, you, you don't know, and from my experience with picking up hitchhikers, you don't know what really you're getting. This is like the worst box of chocolates ever. I mean, sometimes you could be like, hey, I mean, and I've even picked up hitchhikers helping people. Like if it's in a snowstorm, like you need a ride, let me give you, you know, mm-hmm. I technically count those as hitchhikers you too. You don't necessarily see them as a possible setup. But you never know. There's always that thing in the back of your mind. Like I just picked up that hitchhiker. She, he said he needed help getting out of this rain. Is it Rutger Hauer? Because that's how that's there. Wasn't it rainy too? You know, I'm like, it's, I'm always like, I'm just going to drop you off right here. And you know, you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes that's the unknown factor. That's what makes it scary. And well, the then, fact that you get this stranger two feet away from you, not even that. 
I can also imagine, though, that not only are you a horror fan, but, you know, you like your 80s wacky shenanigan comedy fans. And obviously, hitchhiking on some of those films can have the opposite effect. Yeah. So don't lie. Are you ever going in, well, maybe some wacky shenanigans can happen here? I do think maybe wacky shenanigans can happen here. I'm like, well, Trying you Trying know, to weigh out the horror right. versus the comedy. It's kind of a roll of the dice, but, you know, now it's really depending. Like, if they look crazy, I'm like, eh, no, I'm going to pass. But that earlier day, I mean, you know what? And I'll, tell, and I'll be honest. If someone looks like they're definitely in need of help and I'm driving along the road, I'll, and I might help them out. But if I'm like, nah, fuck it. You know, you look sketch. Bye. You know what I'm Thanks saying? Thanks for the ride, genius. Yeah. <laughs> if you look like Rutger Hauer, I'm going to keep on going. So... That's just how it goes. So, but that unknown, that's what makes it scary. He is. Again, and then you have to look, like, what is the, I don't even think there's, a lot of people go, what's the relationship between the two? And I'm like, I don't think there is one. I no. think it's just, again, the randomness. Yeah. It's just. He just happened to be in the way. He just, pick, he just picked him up. Why don't roll the dice? So many opportunities for him to end everything, again, with that particular Cat scene. Cat and mouse, man. It is unreal. Uh, very unrelenting. This is one I really wish we could get a good Blu-ray with, especially with Rutger Hauer still with us. Yeah. Because I would love to get a making of of that particular film because it really does deserve more attention and love. I think so, too. Uh, and so this is one that is more of an action film that you could throw in because it's definitely not sci-fi. But all the action elements, because, again, John Ryder, he kills with guns. Yeah. He shows no, up. He does this wonderful dive through with one of those awesome. And, again, when you watch this as a, what, 12-year-old kid. Those kick-ass shotguns, mm -hmm. you know? But it's him taking out this police force. It's very gun action-oriented. So as an action horror, what do you find the mix as? as uh, I do believe that it works as an action horror because, one, the, uh, the action is super action-packed and it's horrific shit that he's doing, but he's doing it for no reason. There's, like, just, just to kill. Other than, Other you're, than in you're in his way. And that's where the horror comes in. And so when you have this unrelenting killing machine... A la Terminator, a la it the works as horror. Absolutely. Absolutely. So go seek this one out if mm -hmm. you can, gang. It is well worth seeking out. Uh, also, actually, as another uh, shout-out or a pickup, if you will, the Hitchhiker show that was on HBO. Is that a complete series DVD or Blu-ray right now? I don't know if it ever got released, but it was one of those films... Like, being very fortunate to have HBO growing up, mm -hmm. the, the cultural currency that it really provided was shows like The Hitchhiker. Right. Number one had the dopest theme song. Do you remember that? that? that <laughs> yeah. It was like really otherworldly. It was, and then, it was like their Twilight Zone mm -hmm. cautionary tales. In the West. But let's face it, it also provided a boatload of what mullets. you would get. Mullets <laughs> and nudity. Yep. Yep. Unless, unless you watch it on USA. True. When they syndicated it, because there was only so many HBO times I could have, like, oh, this month we can't have it, so we got to wait for the free weekend again, so we'd have to wait until watch it on the syndication. On the but you still get some really good like tales, and I'm just, it would have been interesting to have Rutger Hauer as the Crypt Keeper. You know what I'm saying? As the hitcher, hitchhiker, creepy Because he, he was basically, he provided that element of everything. He gave you the intro, the outro. Yeah. And then he just kept on going. Right. Town. You know, that would actually, no, it would just, I don't think No, because then he'd well. kill people. Yes. He'd just go around killing everybody. <laughs> Show's over, guys. <laughs> Sorry, gang. Right. <laughs> no, no new season. <laughs> he killed everybody. Well, another film that we're <coughs> going to look at is a, is a newer one. One we've actually devoted an episode to. Mm -hmm. And one that... 
we've always talked about our love of trailers mm-hmm. uh, and how really cutting a trailer in this day and age, you don't see it nearly the, the, the craft, I think, as you did back in the day. Right. Um, because this particular film, when I saw the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, nah, I've seen, um, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle. I'm good. Right. And I, that's I, when I, I dismissed it. Same here. I was like, eh, it just looks like a normal, uh, hey, whatever. Much to my regret, because then I started hearing more and more about this film called The Guest. And I was like, well, you know, wait, wait, that one that with uh, the, the pretty boy from Downton Abbey rocks the cradle. They're like, no, 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 you really need to watch it. I was like, fine, fine, I'm going to watch it. And my first time watching it, I think I've talked about it before, but I was completely by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I picked up the Blu-ray. And upon watching it, I did one of those audible, yeah, and like raised my hand and my fist up in the air because I had such a good time with it that I was kicking myself for missing it in the theater because I could have seen it at the theater thanks to Screenland. It was going through there and I missed Ah. it. And I'm kicking myself because the guest, uh, Adam Wingard's the guest, you you are missing out such a great pseudo slasher, but also more, dare I say, what would happen if Captain America went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you saying, dude, you got to see the guest. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, come over and watch it. I'm like, okay. And I'm sitting there watching like, holy shit, this movie is rad as fuck. Yes, if Captain America went rogue, then you would have the guest. This movie is so lovingly John Carpenter meets Terminator meets just like it. He he wears his influences on his sleeves, which I actually enjoy. In fact, you talk about the Carpenter element to it. Uh, Steve Moore provides the score. Very Carpenter. Very synth heavy, which is lovely. This also works as a Halloween film. Mm hmm. Uh, there's a wonderful Halloween 3 homage and reference in the very last scene. So this movie was crafted with lots of love. Yeah. And it's definitely an action hybrid. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to describe... How would you describe the guest to a normie? Ooh. I think you're Captain America gone wrong. I think that... Because I was saying, like, it's the dude from Legion with a gun, mm. you know? But, like... <laughs> It's Beast from Beauty and the Beast remake, killing people, you know? I'd like to think he got maybe a little bit of play yeah. from this film. <laughs> you know, Dan Stevens plays, and he is basically, it's, what's great is this is a film that's all built around a super soldier serum and what happens when they go, like, it's when they go rogue. But you don't expect it. It's because when you first come in, there's like almost a whole mystery aspect to it at the beginning because it's kind of a slow burn. It is a slow burn. It's a slow burn action horror movie. And that's weird to say because you're like, what the fuck? But it is because it spends so much time with this mystery on who actually the guest is. Who is he? Right? And what is he trying to do? Because you think when I first saw it, I thought he was going to be like this badass Mary Poppins where like I come to take over the take care of the children and like oh let me help you with the bullies and he like here's your switchblade kicks the bullies yep. ass and, like oh let me help you with your boy troubles and kicks the bad boyfriend's ass you know and I'm like okay okay and then it switches and you're like holy shit what is going on this is great I did not expect this but I'm glad this is going where it's going. The last third of the film, when it hits that switch, when you realize he has to go against, he can't go against his programming, right? Which is self-preservation, regardless of the cost. And you know, spoiler alert for mm-hmm. a film like you know that's a little bit old. Make sure you guys go check this out. But when that twist hits, I think I know a lot of people are alienated by it 
but for me, it was one of those things that I enjoyed it so much more to the point that at the very end, when you realize what's happening, when they're finally in the maze, yeah. when it becomes, you're like, oh, again, here we are. He, it's a slash, it's a pseudo slasher film. He's Michael Myers. It's the reveal of it. And you go, there it is. Mm-hmm. It's been in my face the entire time. Yep. But it's much like The Stepfather is another film where yes. that would work, I think, in that vein. Yeah. Where he's ultimately, he, and what I like about the character is he's ultimately out there for the family. Right. Until. Until the family gets in the way. Once again, once once you get in this person's way, you're not long for the world. And if you get in the way where he needs to take care of you, He's going he to will take not care stop. Of, yeah, until the job is done. So, yeah. No, this is a really good example of a hidden slasher. And our final girl here, we have a great example in someone that's really making a name in genre films, but yeah. Micah Monroe, mm-hmm. who plays and actually is paired with her brother in this particular one. So they are paired as the final bro and sis, which right. is kind of refreshing. Yeah. And not to give anything away, but they ultimately make it out. Mm-hmm. So it's well rewarding. They're very resourceful, which I like. Extremely resourceful. And they finally, and she's always putting two to two together. It's, it's She's the one that actually kind of gets everything in motion. Technically, she's the one that steers the chaos in the direction. Exactly. But this, she was able to deal with the fallout. And this is another film that when the certain kills happen, I remember the first time I was legit, not shocked, but I didn't see that happening. No, I didn't either. I didn't either. Are we talking about the kitchen one? Yes, we are. Yeah, we're talking about the kitchen one. And that's when at that point I was like, oh, here we go. We're in another film. That is, a, I think that is the switch. I, you know, I think, and there it is. Are we sure not whenever, you know, the the, the, the pistols come out and we get a little bit of the slow-mo take? and what I, As long as there wasn't doves, yes. then we'd be okay, you know? In lieu of that, we get the lovely just homage to everything else. In fact, Wingard mentioned before that with Tarantino, when he did Kill Bill, when he started with the Shaw Brothers logo, mm-hmm. for Wingard, for uh, the guests, they wanted to do Canon logo. Because that's the kind of movie they were trying to make, and they did a fantastic job. This is, I, it's it's it's, we say it's canon, but a lot of people are like canon. That's no 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 no. no this, it's not a pejorative with us. Right? That no, is it's a that's good. Loving. It's it's a loving one, but no, it's a good movie because it's tense. It's tense. It's scary. And going down your rubric, that what we represents the other side, the other world, like. He, we don't know where he came from, but yet we welcome him into our home because of a tragedy that happened. Yeah. And he says that he's part of the tragedy. So come on in. And now he's doing good stuff. And then that switch, that's where you're like, that's where the horror comes. One, somebody who you thought was in your best interest is now out to kill you. And there's little subtle elements introduced, like when he takes the kid drinking yeah. and then just whoops ass in the bar. That was a great scene. It re- works really well because you see, in the, you actually it sets up the little um, separation between the brother and the sister. Like, no, mm-hmm. he would never do anything bad to us. Right. And He's here like, to okay, help. Yeah. yeah. It's a, an interesting film, but it's one that uh, actually, I did screen uh, for one of uh, the horror marathons, uh, just went through four films and then ended with a guest. And it was one that even people in the audience that were here at the house, they were uh, they were just kind of like mixed. There wasn't a lot of there was people that enjoyed it, and others like oh, because I even get like the little thumbs up. Yeah. With the T2, it doesn't work for me, but I get why it's there. If yeah. you enjoy it, I understand. Uh, but I also like that ending of just that what the and then mm-hmm. you cut to the guest and you get that great Steve Moore score. It's. So let me ask you, the action and the horror, is it balanced? Okay, so that's where that's where this comes into play because it's the action and the horror do not kick in until the switch. Mm-hmm. And so taking it from the switch on, 
I would say yes. As a movie whole, I don't know because if you have that long, slow burn, because that's the one thing with the three films that we've talked about. Ultimately, there isn't that much of a turn for the first. For the most and first and foremost, you're in a horror environment. Right here. Again, you get that the hand that rocks the cradle kind of feel. Mm-hmm. You no know, more thriller, if you will. Right. For the normies. For the normies. But then again, you get that switch. Yeah. And much like with uh, From Dust Till Dawn, one of my all-time favorite switches that I've seen completely alienate people. Yes. But imple- completely just in, you know, people Enrich go, oh my God, Yeah, yes. like this movie's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to say, I think because of the, you said something, the thriller aspect, because it's not just a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's really a thriller. Like, who is this guy? And there is tension scenes in, this, in the beginning part and scenes of like, wow, he fucked that guy up. This guy can really do some horrific shit if he wants to. And it's never done playfully. No, it's a very mean film. Yeah. It's, There's that, that contrasting scene where you've got the, uh, I want it that way. Yeah. And then with the grenade with the, scene. The, right? yeah, exactly. With the whole diner. Yeah. It's a very mean film. So it's not like an after school special. Not at all. There's a reason it's an R-rated film. So I, And I think, you know what? I think because of that thriller aspect, I am more comfortable saying that it is a good action horror because it's not like next time on Small Wonder. You know, it's it's... Definitely, like, the next time on Troma. You know, it's... it's. But like you said, when the turn happens, that's when I was like, ah, it's, this is where... Absolute you know, horror. He's in, yep. Yep. But yeah, I would say it's a good... I would I would qualify it as an, as an action horror. So a few other ones that kind of... A few honorable mentions that I wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about here to close things up with our pseudo-slashers. And one that I know is a pseudo-slasher, I know is a sci-fi horror film... For me, it's more false sci-fi action, but why can't they be all three? Of course, they're all three, but, you know, doing it for for time purposes. But same year uh, in 87 is The Hitcher, but The Predator. Yeah, the, the Predator is action horror. Absolutely action horror, without a doubt. It's alien. It's sci-fi action horror. It's those three great tastes. It's the... <laughs> no, I, hold on. That's... Wait. <laughs> And and yes, it's just great. The predator kills are some of the and goriest ones. Just, you just threw but, me off guard with the predator. I'm like, and I'm like, there's so many wonderful things I want to say about predator. I don't know how to Jason talk about. Jason, if he could right. camouflage himself, right? right. Exactly, he totally is. Um, another good horror uh, action horror Rambo. Yes, and we're talking about the part four of the version because, mm-hmm. or even part two. I'll even go the new one. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'll even go the new one because there's some when horrific he mows kills people down in there. Yes, there is some horror scenes of horror in that movie. That is terrifying. Uh, I would even go with something like Maniac Cop. Yes, but I would go more horror on that one because mm-hmm. he is otherworldly and shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would definitely go because there's good action in that one too. Um, uh, Invasion USA. <laughs> yes. Just anything. But that's not a pseudo slasher. But yeah. that. But you know what's actually might be a pseudo slasher on the flip side of it, John Wick. I could see that actually. Because he's he, relentless. He's, he's the Baba Yaga. Yeah, he's relentless. He's remorseless. He. There's no final girl because he's the final. He is. But he's vengeance personified. Yeah. He's basically Pumpkinhead yeah. from the eyes of the demon. They I need mean, someone at the Continental be like, "You've got a death curse." Right. Anytime you cross. I. I would go. I would. I would look at it as an action horror and, and just, as a reverse slasher. I. I would actually listen to that argument, and I think that's why John Wick is so much fun because it does bend and blend so many different genres. Mm-hmm. And as we've mentioned, because he does shadow play too, he used very sh- in his shadows with his actions and a lot of things. So, 
it's it's fun to watch. And mm-hmm. that's ultimately also what these films is they are fun to watch, as scary as they are. Oh, we forgot about Jaws 2. Oh, Jaws 2, yes. Jaws 2 also plays wonderfully as a <laughs> pseudo-slasher. And that one that you told me to look at in that vein, and I did, and I was like, oh, wow, holy shit, it does work. It, All it, the way from his scarred face right. to the meanness of the it kills. It totally works. So, yeah, so that was putting theorem in practice. Yeah, there we go. I like <laughs> to say, you know, and again, we're giving credit to, there was somewhere on the internet that even instructed me, and I'll sh- uh, talk about giving credit, but the Shockwaves podcast is a real good one that you guys, um, if you listen to us, you'll love them. Uh, but they put out a concept of taking the Predator and mixing it in the Purge. Oh, fuck yes. <gasps> Total credit to Shockwaves Podcast. Holy shit. Holy shit. you want shit. to talk about an incre- incre- incredibly crazy concept. Holy shit. Right? Oh, that'd be awesome. I would still like to see John Wick versus the Predator in The Purge. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Fanfic, genre mission. Right? It's tough to do, so when it hits the sweet spot, we embrace it. When it doesn't, you know what? They tried anyway. They put something yeah. out there good yeah. for them. And you know what? Even if it's not your cup of tea, I bet you it's somebody's fucking favorite movie. You, indeed. So, so there's a yeah. flavor out there for everyone. So, you know, hit us up. Anything that we missed over on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, Facebook Nightmare Junkhead. So other thoughts for Pseudo Slashers Genius? No, I'm excited. I, I kind of want to go see the guest again. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go see Predator too. <laughs> <laughs> so until that time, gang, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams.